Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 22nd. The Pirates will be hosting Tulane in men's and women's basketball today at Williams Arena Menchie's Coliseum. And to preview that matchup, we had the opportunity on Monday afternoon to catch up with ESPN Plus analyst and former East Carolina tight end Jay Sunhalter. And let's go to that conversation with Sonny right now. The Tulane Green Wave will be visiting Williams Arena Menchie's Coliseum, 3.30 tip-off on ESPN+. And right now, to break down that matchup, very excited to welcome back our our buddy, East Carolina's former tight end from the Skip Holtz era, Jay Sonhalter. Jay, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. We appreciate you coming back on. Uh, we know you're on the road back from uh, Campbell as you – called UNC Wilmington's 78-59 victory over the Camels there earlier this afternoon. Yeah, it was uh it was a good game for the for the Seahawks. They they really impressed me and I, I thought they were a really good team when they played against ECU and uh they look like they're just continuing to improve. So they had a big win and I think Campbell's good too. It just they got cold shooting the ball and then the press of UNC Wilmington kind of took over. Or were you yeah, calling that game were you calling the game with 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 Chris or, or with a yeah yeah with Chris Haymeyer yep yeah 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 Chris Haymeyer uh, he was on the call for the East Carolina Radford game and then uh, obviously you and Chris Edwards uh, y'all called three games um you know uh, UNC Wilmington then North Florida and then most recently James Madison so just talk about what you've seen out of the Pirates and those three opportunities you've had to be there in Minji's calling the action. They, they've impressed me. Uh, East Carolina, you just look at the roster. There's depth. There's talent. And guys um, have improved so much from last year. And I think the team is, is going to have a really good season. And, you know, I just – I wish that fans were allowed in Minji's because I, I think, you know, fans were there. It could – you know, it would be a really great atmosphere with how the team's playing and how good our fans are. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, looking at the schedule, and Kyle, you may have noticed this as well, but looking at the month of January, um, the Pirates play four weekend games, three on Saturdays and then one on a Sunday against Memphis. Uh, can you imagine Williams Arena Menchie's Coliseum? You know, if we're, who knows, maybe nine and one, nine and two or something going into that stretch. Uh, Menchie's would be packed and rocking. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I think, you know, even something like eight and two or whatever. I, I think, uh, I think you know, if you could have fans in there with a good quality basketball product on the court uh, on the weekends, we'd uh, we would be drawing big. Probably a little reminiscent of the uh, Bill Herring days in the early two thousands for some of those Saturday night games we used to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's the thing, and just with the way exposure uh, going back to to Joe Dooley's first time. Um, and obviously we were winning for a large part of those years as well. But even the times when uh, we when we went uh, 10 and 17 and 13 and 14, when uh, Coach Dooley's teams were absolutely ridden by injuries, uh, we were still putting five and five and a half thousand on a pretty consistent basis because you didn't have uh, the ESPN Plus or really even a, a streaming option on ECUPirates.com. You had to go to the game in order to be able to see it. Yeah, and the only games we ever had on TV back then were, uh, you know, maybe four on WITN, and if we were lucky, one or two on HTS. Good old George Johnson on HTS back in the in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, yeah the colonial days. <laughs> <laughs> 
and do you remember uh, uh, and you may remember this as well Jay I don't know if you um, you watched pirate basketball before you became a student uh, on those few occasions when they were on TV um, but um, you Kyle do you remember Kevin Greevy and uh, Glenn Consor not by name no I don't okay, um, okay. but uh, those were those were the days uh, where, I mean you you loved just an opportunity to watch the Pirates, and it was really a special occasion to, to get a game on home team sports. Uh, my, how the program uh, has grown and uh, where it's come. But, um, you know, taking a look, Jay, I know you haven't had Well, there we go. There we go, fellas. Uh, Army has a bowl game. Tennessee has withdrawn from the Liberty Bowl. Awesome. I, I, I knew not that Tulane – or excuse me, Tulane, uh, got my mind on tomorrow's game. Uh, Tennessee, I did see that, that they had to back out. So and that does not surprise me that Army is headed there. Well, no, it's not play, official. Play. It's not official. It's not official that Army's okay. in there. But I would assume, I would assume it would become official very soon. That would be an intriguing matchup with West Virginia. Army had had released a statement saying that they would be at the ready. All they needed was 48 hours notice. So they got plenty of notice for the Liberty Bowl, I believe, on New Year's Day. Or no, New Year's Eve. But uh, where I was going, uh, Jay, I know you obviously had the game on your plate today with UNC Wilmington and Campbell also calling the East Carolina women's game tomorrow against Tulane at noon. So you really haven't um, dove heavily um, into the Tulane men just yet. But what do you think about this matchup tomorrow? And uh, what can you tell us about Ron Hunter's ball club? Well, they're really good. Um, I I think – this is going to be such an important game for East Carolina and for both teams, but for East Carolina here, if, if you want to win, you know, win big in the conference this year, this is the type of game you have to win Tulane at home in Greenville um, East, East Carolina, you know, there's so much talent they have. And now you get into conference play and they're going to be going against teams that look similar to East Carolina. So how are they going to perform? I think it's going to be an evenly matched game. I think, you know, some of the keys to it is Coach Dewey's talked about taking better shots and protecting the basketball. And if the Pirates can do that and continue to improve, I think they've got a good shot at winning this game. But Ron Hunter has done a great job at Tulane. Um, he's been outstanding through his track record. He used to coach at Georgia State, many other places. So he's going to have a really good team. Uh, but I think this is really important for East Carolina to get a win. Yeah, it's at home, and, um, you know, I don't want to say anything's a must-win this early in the conference season because maybe you lose to Tulane, and then you go beat Wichita State and Tulane on the road. Things like that just happen. But it sure would be nice to take care of business at home against an opponent that you should be equal to or better than and, and take the pressure off yourself. You know, nobody expects us to go undefeated in the league. So if you take care of business at home in games that you're likely to be slight favorites in, it takes a lot of pressure off of you from having to steal one on the road. And then if you can steal one on the road, then that puts you ahead of the game. Well, and, and Kyle, I, I was impressed. I know, you know it, was a, it was a loss against SMU, but SMU should finish at the top of the league, one of those top three spots. And East Carolina in that first half played them really close. And I know the second half they went cold. But I, I was impressed with the Pirates in going against a really, a really good team and just what I saw. So, you know, another game here today or tomorrow, like you said, in conference, they need to win this one if they, you know, they want to, you know, protect home court and, you know, give themselves kind of an opportunity and be able to have a little breathing room with some other games. No, that's exactly right. It takes pressure off of you from 
you know, having to steal one on the road. Uh, yeah, obviously you want to win every damn game you play, but you, you, you get the point. Take care of business at home and take some pressure off of you. Jay, in the James Madison game uh, the other night, or afternoon, I should say, um, you know, you had Brandon Suggs. And when you talk about the depth of this team, uh, Jaden Gardner uh, scored eight points in the first seven minutes, but then he only finished with 13. But you had Brandon Suggs with 18, also Tristan Newton with 14, and Batumba Broody uh, finished with either 15 or 16. So those guys really, really stepped up, and um, it was a it matched a career day for Brandon Suggs with those 18 points, and it was only in 24 minutes of action. Yeah, I think if Suggs can continue to provide the offensive punch, it's huge for this team because I've seen him play on defense, take charges, you know, be kind of feisty down there, be physical. And if he can kind of be another guy that's going to add in points along with Baruti, Newton, Miles, it's going to really boost up the Pirates So on the offensive end. Yeah, no doubt. Talk about things defensively, Jay. Um, you know, early on um, when the Pirates were very cold against James Madison, just one out of the first nine from three. And um, after that, um, really, really shot it well, five out of nine from three um, there in the latter part of the first half and the second half. But uh, early on when the shots weren't falling and the Pirates used that tough D to um, create some transition opportunities um, with the likes of – you know, Brandon Suggs and uh, Tristan Newton, et cetera. Uh, that's what you have to do. I mean, if you're not going to shoot it lights out every game. And East Carolina, they're, they're going into that game shooting 38% from the three-point line. Last year, they are at 27%. So much improved. But when things aren't going well, you've got to have a plan B and a plan C and you got to be able to turn up the pressure. So I was impressed with that, that they you know had other ways to win and that they relied on their defense. I think the team, you know, down on the floor with no fans, you can hear – communication really well and I hear the players you know talking to each other and that's a big key on on the defensive end. Jay how is other arenas look you've been in out of curiosity I think East Carolina's done a good job of making the arena look nice on TV with no fans yeah. with the backdrops and all how about some of the other places you've been in this year like Campbell etc yeah. have, have other places made theirs look as nice? Yeah well yeah and uh, some you know some arenas you know it, it's a little bit it's just with different setup and they can do more, but I, I think East Carolina has been great with the cutouts and the, with the banner and the way it looks. Campbell was really looked good today as well. They had cutouts, you know, fan cutouts as well. So um, I, I've been impressed kind of with, um, you know, I don't know if that's the marketing side of these schools, but just the, the, the appearance that they're putting on to make it, you know, make it look good uh, for people that are there, the players to make it feel, you know, feel as close to a game like as they can, but also just looks good on TV as well. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. Campbell today actually had a cutout section with all their, like, pro players in a corner. <laughs> so, like, they had Chris Clemens there, a couple baseball players they had. So, they have, you know, maybe 10 or so players that play in some sort of professional league. And it was all former players in there. So, that was kind of neat to see. Yeah, that's something we should do. I'd, I'd like to see that with uh... – yeah, you can have uh, East Carolina football players that have played in the NFL, CFL, et cetera. The couple of players that have made it to the to the pro leagues in basketball, Blue Edwards, yeah. et cetera. And then, of course, the baseball guys. So uh, maybe we get a Jason Halter cut out. Maybe but put, 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 put you in there in your yeah. football uniform. Maybe with I'll your helmet, buy one. <laughs> with your helmet off. And then and then confuse the hell out of people while football players <laughs> calling basketball. 
Yeah, I uh, maybe I'll buy that buy that for uh, myself for Christmas. That'd be a good Christmas Do present. Do it. I know, I, I know our carry it around. I know friend of the podcast, Brendan Shapiro, uh, has a cutout in there. So uh, uh, somebody should throw things at that one. If you see it, if you know what Shapiro looks like, Jay, just start throwing things at that cutout. <laughs> All right, I'll see. I'll see how uh, strong my arm is. There you go. <laughs> it, it, it's the guy with the Minji's Maniac shirt and purple and gold wig. That's okay. correct. Yeah. All right, I'll find him. But, Jay, since you've been in Minji's three times, I, I know I saw Eric Ward or someone from ECU Athletics say that there would be uh, pictures, a uh, photo gallery of the cutouts once they're complete uh, here in the next few weeks, um, once other shipments come in of the cutouts. Um, but I, I know that had been discussed as far as the professional and, uh, you know, notable alums. And so have you seen the likes of Dwayne Harris or, you know, or Shane Carden or, or whatever former player? You know, I, I haven't, but to be honest, I haven't looked up there that closely to see any of them. Um, I, I've seen the cutouts from a distance, though. There were some pets a, up there. Some people had some right. of their pets up there. That was that was cool. We need we need a we need a Sandra Bullock right, folks. man cutout. And, and Jay, that, remember that's your that's your number one mission. That's what the people I know they're dying to know who the cutouts are, and we'll, we'll talk about the cutouts and have the cutout report on tomorrow's overtime after the Tulane. Okay. Yeah, I'll Victory. go look. I'll go look and see and spot spot who I know up there and give you a report. <laughs> Important so, stuff there. Money's good for the program. Um, I've thought about doing it. Maybe I'll do a whole row. Maybe just a whole row of Kyles in <laughs> different in different in different poses. <laughs> That's awesome. The section Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Kyle Corner. Kyle's yeah. corner. There you go. That'll work. Uh, kind of shifting gears, guys. Um, Jay, uh, I mentioned earlier that you're going to be on the call for the women's game tomorrow against Tulane. Um, noon tip-off inside Menji's. So just talk about uh, that game. And the Lady Pirates have won three straight, four and three now, after a 74-67 victory at Cincinnati, a game in which they flew up the morning of the game. Um, but 74-67 winners there, and now 2-0 and in the conference with uh, uh -oh. a, pair, a, a pair of road victories. And yeah, the, that uh, offense might come around, uh, Bubba. Yeah, um, doesn't hurt when you have LaShonda Monk, who's the reigning AAC Defensive Player of the Year from a season ago, um, put up 30 points, six rebounds, I think, what, five assists and four steals. So just a, a remarkable performance by LaShonda, which earned her – AAC Player of the Week honors. Yeah, she was great against Cincinnati, and I'm interested to see how they respond tomorrow because that is a quick turnaround, um, especially with the team. You know, they're not playing in a Green Greenville; they're playing in a Raleigh. So they you know, got back late Sunday night, and then you know, playing quick on Tuesday early on. Um, I think Lashonda Monk, though, you know, she's been a star for ECU, and Kim McNeil's really turned this thing around quickly. And uh, there's some big wins the Pirates have had, and it's going to be a good test, though, going against Tulane. Uh, Tulane's got a star freshman, um, Jerkayla Jordan, um, that's averaging right under 16 points per game. She's really good and got a legendary coach down there um, that's got over 600 career victories. So it'll be a good game. Um, I, I like the way the Pirates are trending, though, and really coming on strong here. Yeah, with no UConn, I, I think, you know, 
you look Tulane's got a good program. South Florida's got a good program. Uh, but I, I, I think we have a legit chance to compete at the top of the conference in women's basketball. And uh, we've had some good ladies teams over the years. You know, Sharon Baldwin Tenner took us to the NCAA. We had a couple of WNIT appearances with Maisie. And uh, I, I think uh, I think McNeil can uh, can do the same and um, compete at the top of the American. And and without a doubt, at worst, I think we're a WNIT team this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think with UConn being out, that's huge, even just psychologically. You know, having them out of the way, yeah, you feel like you're more up, up for grabs, yeah, and and um, you know, I mean, <laughs> their their absence has opened up a lot of opportunities for other teams. That you know, I mean, of course, you want to beat UConn, but pretty much for every team in the league, that's two losses. That's not going to happen anymore with them gone. So opens things up. And ECU, I just I like the confidence that they're playing with, and and you know, when teams are improving and they're on the right track you just really feel the momentum shift in the program. And that's how I feel the pirates are, are, you know, going in that direction. Yeah. And a couple of nice non-conference wins, but you can go on the road and beat an ACC school with UVA. Yeah. And then VCU was the preseason a 10 favorite uh, on the women's side. So uh, a couple of nice wins there non-conference. So um, I, I think, uh, I think McNeil is uh, got it rolling and um, hopefully we'll, we'll keep it rolling until the postseason. And, and, Jay, you were talking about some of Tulane's um, roster. You, you know, looking at the Green Wave, they're 4-2. and two. They are 0-1 in the league, uh, a four-point loss at UCF, and their other loss was a four-point loss. Uh, um, excuse me, came by four points uh, to uh, Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Yeah, and that Georgia Tech game, it went right down to the wire. Um, Nell Fortner's head coach at Georgia Tech, so it was – it was a good game. They just couldn't finish it out. And then, you're, you know, you said the UCF loss uh, when one in the conference right now. This is a really good Tulane team. And they play up-tempo. They average over 70 points per game. And East Carolina, um, you know, when Lashonda Monk playing as good as she is on offense, we know she's a great defensive player. That's uh, that's a really big weapon, though, for the Pirates. And, you know, it'll be fun to watch her, her going against Jaquela Jordan as well. Yeah, uh, Jay, want to switch gears one more time? I, I guess we're through with basketball talk. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bubba, but uh, uh, it's uh, we're, we're stepping into the bowl season. There's a bowl going on right now in Myrtle Beach uh, between Appalachian State and North Texas. Last time I checked the score, App State was leading 35-14. Um, what, what bowl games before we talk about the complete mess <laughs> that is the playoffs? Uh, what bowl games are you looking forward to this year? Well, I mean, my favorite my favorite bowls are always you know, the national championship or you know the playoff, right? But I'm, I'm uh, not gonna watch my, the playoff here. I'm, yeah, I'm, my, I'm, I'm sick of it. My my favorite one is actually the Hawaii Bowl because we we went there and we won, and yeah. it always brings me back to a happy place. So well, I'm not a Hawaii Bowl this year. Game. Yeah, it's not the biggest game, but uh, that's the one I always like to watch. I mean, you know, to be honest with you. I know it's exciting for these guys that they make a bowl game, but there, there's just way too the many bowl bowls. Outside of the playoffs, see. Well, well, no, there's way too. <laughs> no, that's what I was gonna say. There's way too many bowls. I'm gonna honestly, disagree with you. I'm gonna disagree who, with you, Jay, and I'm gonna well, tell you who, why. Who? Well, well, who cares in some of these matchups? That's my whole thing. Like I don't well, care the, about the, those games. Well, their, their fans do, and I'm gonna tell well, you. No, I'm gonna tell you. Well, no, I'm that's what I mean. You. Their fans do. Yeah, but well, right. I, mean, I don't. 
I'm going to tell you why I don't think there's too many ball games or series. All right. Until we have a real playoff, who gives a damn? If you win six games, well, this year you ain't got to win six. But typically, if you win six games, why not make the postseason? Until we're going to have a real playoff, everybody gets everybody gets a car. Um, and it, so, if we're not going to have a real playoff, six games go to a ball. Uh, the other reason is in 1996, East Carolina went eight and three, and there was a lot of six-win SEC and ACC teams. They went to bowls while an eight and three East Carolina and eight and three in Southern Miss sat home because there weren't enough bowl games out there. So if you take bowl games away, it's not going to be an eight win East Carolina that's going to go to a bowl. If they take them away, uh, we'll be sitting at home while six win SEC teams are still going to bowls. So, yeah, um, no, no, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. So that's why I don't think there's too many bowls. Um, well, but uh, just, just a couple I'm looking forward to. I think the Arizona Bowl, which is normally a, a, a major afterthought, it's on CBS Sports Network from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, this year, because of circumstances, they get the Mountain West champion and the MAC champion going head-to-head. Um, two very underrated teams, Ball State, one lost football team. Uh, San Jose State went undefeated. Nobody's talking about San Jose State going undefeated. Um, they went undefeated and won the Mountain West, yep. so I think MAC champion, Mountain West champion in the Arizona Bowl is very intriguing. Another one is the Cure Bowl in Orlando. Again, normally an afterthought. Uh, this year is undefeated Coastal Carolina against one lost Liberty. Uh, it's another exciting game. Um, those two come to mind. Another one, I think, is it may be tomorrow or it's one day this week. Uh, in the uh, Boca Raton Bowl, you've got UCF taking on BYU, uh, which is another exciting matchup. So um, there's some there's some good games out there. And if Army, uh, you know, they got left out of a <laughs> They got left out of a bowl because they couldn't have an opponent for the Independence Bowl because uh, all the Pac-12 teams declined and other teams that they talked to declined. So it looks like Army will probably replace Tennessee in the Liberty Bowl. If that's the case, you got a heck of a matchup between Army and West Virginia. So um, there's some good matchups out there, and there's some stinkers. You got uh, you got the Conference USA champion UAB in the Gasparilla Bowl in St. Pete, which used to be the Beef <laughs> Brady's Bowl that we played in taking on a two-win South Carolina team. How ridiculous is that? I hope UAB beats them to death. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's one of those, yes, uh, I agree with you. It's it's absurd um, that you have a two-win South Carolina team in a bowl game. And, and at least right now, you have Army, uh, you know, sitting at home. Uh, ho- hopefully that's going to change. But yeah, um, they, they probably will. You know, Kyle. But that, but that is a game, though. Um, just because of the, the um, underdog. I say underdog, not underdog. But you know, you know how people perceive it. UAB against South Carolina, even though yes, it's a group of five. Yeah. Against South Carolina team, I, I'm looking forward to UAB. Hopefully, winning that football game. Yeah, no doubt. Me too. And um, I, I would, I would think it will come here soon. That that Army would be headed to the Liberty Bowl. I, there's the you know I don't I don't see why any reason they'd want to cancel the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they've got a good team in West Virginia. You can have fans at that bowl game. State of Tennessee does allow fans, um, so uh, I can't I can't see any other reason Army's there to fill Tennessee's spot. Um, I know it is contracted to the SEC. You there is two SEC teams not in bowls. Uh, Vanderbilt and who's the other one? Missouri. Um, Sorry, I, I thought I was Missouri. muted. Uh, Mississippi uh, State. No, no, Missouri's in a game. Mississippi State's in a game. Um, 
Yeah, Mississippi State's playing Tulsa in the Armed Forces Bowl, and then Missouri is playing. Missouri's playing in no Ole Miss is in a bowl game. Um, Missouri's playing um, in the Music City Bowl. I'm trying to remember who they're playing against. Well, then who the um, hell is it? It's Vandy. Tennessee. And, no, t- Tennessee had to cancel. They they were in that bowl. They were they were in they were in the Liberty yeah. Bowl. Twelve out of fourteen yeah, teams got bowl invites. Um, yeah, Ole, Ole uh, Miss is playing Indiana. Oh my goodness. And then, and then you have taking on number 16, Iowa, in the Music City Bowl. Well, I don't know who we're missing then in the SEC. Uh, it uh, is um, – Did LSU decline? That may, LSU that may did. Be, the LSU yeah, did, that, yeah. 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 Okay. So, unless unless LSU decides – I'm pretty, to I'm pretty that, sure that's it, yeah. Unless LSU decides to go fill that spot um, – Army should uh, should be hitting to a ball, so hitting to the Liberty Ball. But you know, it, 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 Jay, what did you think of the playoff, man? Uh, I, I thought, it, personally, to me, it's getting boring. It's the same schools every year. Alabama and Clemson do deserve it, even though you're, yeah. you're sick of them. But Ohio State only playing six games, and that's including the championship game. Uh, and then you look at this, and people go, "Well, they played in the Big Ten. You know how many teams they played with winning records, Jay? Yeah, two. I know. Two. two. And, and then, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and and then you look at, uh, and, and then you look at um, uh, Notre Dame in there, who just got the dog mess beat out of them by Clemson. And you look at Cincinnati and Texas A and M sitting at home. Uh, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, when I look at it, too, you, know, you can go. There's a lot of different reasons and things that. I mean, I agree with you completely. Like, it doesn't make sense. When I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, they're going to err on the side of Ohio State and Notre Dame are two of the biggest brands and ratings, <laughs> and it's not fair because I don't think – I mean, yeah, I get they're Big Ten champions and, you know, they're good, but I don't think Ohio State's really played that good this year, and they only played oh. six games, and that should matter. I mean, oh, that exactly. should matter. Um, and just off, your, off the reputation, too, I mean, like – you know, USC lost, Southern Cal lost, so it doesn't matter. But what happens if USC would have beat Oregon? They would have been six and zero. You throw them in there. I mean, you know, so I, I just don't, I don't agree with it, and I think it's turning into. You're right, the same thing every year. You know, what's going to happen? Alabama's going to blow out Notre Dame, and Clemson, yep. Ohio State, just like every year. You know, whichever team's the better one will win. This year will probably be Clemson, and it's going to be Clemson and Alabama. You know, I mean, yeah, and, the, and, and and the committee, and you're right. Uh, Blue Bloods and writings, the committee shouldn't be thinking about writings. That shouldn't cross their minds. And I'm, I'm with yeah. Mike Oresco. I'm with Mike Oresco. We should go back to the BCS formula for the for the playoff. If, first of all, they should go to eight teams for the playoff. That would solve all the problems. Have your five Power Five champions, two at-largest, and one team from the group of five. You'd have Cincinnati in, Texas A&M in, and Oregon in, along with who's already in. So that would solve all yeah. those problems. Um, but if we're not going to do that, Let's go back to the BCS format, not the BCS format, but the BCS formula where computers and analytics decide the four playoff teams because they did it more fairly than a group of assholes sitting in a room. Um, The computers did it way more fairly. Uh, I guarantee you, right now, if computers were deciding it with Cincinnati playing 10 games, they would 10 and 0, they'd be in. 
And, you know, something that really irritates me is you ever heard the term data point? That is a, that is a term that was invented by the playoff committee. So, you, you know, XYZ had more data points. That's why the Big 12 added a championship game, despite only having yeah. 10 teams, so they get that extra data point. Well, Cincinnati had more data points than anybody else. They played 10 games. Anybody else in the playoffs besides Alabama and Clemson. They had 10 data points. Yet, somehow, Ohio State, with their six data points, got in. Yeah. Um, it, it's BS. It's, it's, it's unfair. And at this, at this point, if you're gr- the group of five, if you're the American and the rest of these group of five leagues, you need to sue. To me, that's all you can do is, uh, is sue the Power Five in the playoffs through all the Power Five leagues and the playoff. And um, the reason it hasn't been done before now, back when the BCS days even, is because they're scared, they being the group of five schools, that if they sue, that the Power Five will then just take their ball and go home. They'll break away. Well, you know what? Sometimes you got to take that chance because you don't have a real opportunity now. Um, one thing about it, even if they broke away after we sued them, I guarantee you we would at least get some money because – I'm no, I'm no legal expert, but you know maybe we should get um, uh, maybe, what's his name the the guy who used to do talk radio in North Carolina who's a lawyer, uh, David Glenn. Maybe we should get David Glenn on and talk to him about it because to me, if it doesn't break antitrust law by creating an, an unfair monopoly, um, I, I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think when you look at it, too, it's like Cincinnati had an outstanding year. If they're not going to get into it or even be close, I mean, you know, I didn't, they're not even close, really, <laughs> because if it was like they're five. Uh, if they're not going to make it this year, then what year would a team make it? I mean, what do they have to do? Schedule Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, beat them in non-conference, and win? They and you know what? I end. believe next year, I believe next year Cincinnati – I hope every one of those players come back. I hope all the seniors come back because they can. Because I believe Cincinnati plays Notre Dame and two Big Ten opponents next year non-conference. Somebody, Bob, if you got time to check that, I believe that's correct, though. So, uh, if I was Cincinnati and I was a senior on that team, I'd come back next year just to see if Kyle, I could well, down their throat. I missed that. What, what do you want me to check? Uh, Cincinnati, I believe, plays Notre Dame and two non and two Big Ten teams next year non-conference. I believe that is correct, but I, I'll double check. I, I know this year they were supposed to go to Nebraska before they had to adjust their schedule. Yeah, I believe they have Nebraska, Notre Dame, and then another Big Ten team um, next year. And uh, so, if they could go undefeated next year, I'd like to see them uh, keep them out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know you look at you look at it's just disrespect. You know, they these uh, these people picking. You know, they're going to go with a national brand and go with the big name and and ratings, whatever you know, whatever the reasons are, justify it. Uh, they're going to go over that over putting somebody else in. I mean, you look at Boise State from the past and yeah. these teams, and they had to schedule all these games to get respected. And it's not like one season; like it takes like years and years to gain that respect and. It's, it's wrong and it's not right. Well, you know, b- based on the old BCS system, though, um, uh, Jay, if you went back to that format to choose the playoff teams, 
there was one year Boise, I believe, was up to number three um, in the, in the rankings, three or four. So that yeah. would have gotten them into the playoff if there was one back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they used to, you know, when they were really rolling, they were scheduling good non-conference games and even, you know, then some of the league games, some of those teams were, you know, were pretty good yeah. back then. That kind of boosted their strength of schedule. Yeah, and yeah, by the way – Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's schedule for next season, they open with Miami of Ohio, and then they have Murray State, but then they have at Indiana and at Notre Dame. Okay. There you go. You have, you, you have uh, the, number, the, the, number, the number two team in the Big Ten from this year and Notre Dame next year. So, uh, if they can run through that schedule 12-0, and 0, uh, let's see what happens. Guys, got anything else we want to talk about? Or, uh, I, I know Kyle, you referenced that Myrtle Beach Bowl is taking place um, after three quarters. It's forty-two twenty-one App State, and they have run according to a tweet I just saw from Bruce Feldman. Uh, App State has run for uh, five hundred and sixteen yards, <laughs> and they're averaging eighteen yards per carry against the North Texas defense. It was allowing two hundred and forty yards per game on the ground coming in. Yeah, North Texas, I've watched them play this year. I don't even know how they won four games. They may be the worst bowl team in history. Um, I know they were right around 500, but they are they are dreadful. That two-win South Carolina team, I think, would, would walk the dog on this North Texas team. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, that this – to be honest, it actually surprises me that it's uh, that close at 42-21. Yeah, me too. I, I really think App State's just going through the motions and they're just that much more talented. It, or you know, I don't know if they're that much more talented. They're that much of a better team. On ESPN's Capital One Bowl Mania, um, they have a couple different ways you can uh, pick the games, uh, either straight up or more confidence points. I would have uh, been 100% confidence. <laughs> well, well th- this game with App State and North Texas, this was right there um, as far as Alabama and Notre Dame. Uh, those were my – my two picks that I was most confident in. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I, I when I saw they were playing North Texas, I said, "Good lord, uh, that's going to be brutal." But you know what? It's another win for App. They can take home a bowl trophy, and I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure they had a nice time in Myrtle Beach this week. So, or these last few days, so it kind of is what it is. Yeah, that's, like, that's still in thirty points right there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, guys, do y'all have anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Seeing yeah. The games. Looking forward to the Pirates hopefully getting the 7-1 and one and uh, evening their record at 1-1 one and one in the American. Uh, remember, folks, uh, you can follow us on, on Twitter, the Sports OBJ, on Instagram, the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook. And uh, also subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, after tomorrow's game. Uh, Tip-off is at 3.30. Uh, so, uh, roughly 6.30, we'll have Pirate Basketball overtime for you as we take a look back at what will hopefully be a victory over the Tulane Green Wave. And, uh, Jay, hopefully uh, you'll be able to join us then on your uh, way back to, to Raleigh or I guess maybe it was Kinston. Yeah, no, sounds good. Yeah, um, should be two good games. And uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. And it's an important part of the year, you know, to get momentum going into the Christmas break. So, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. 
That does it for this episode of the Sports Objective. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you on Tuesday night on Pirate Basketball Overtime as we'll be joined by Jay Sunhalter and Pirate Al, Alan Powell, will join us as we take a look back at the East Carolina Tulane game. Have a great day, everyone, and as always, go Pirates.